Hello and welcome to another episode of Hit or Miss, a baseball podcast hosted by me, Alexandra Aguila, and today we are recording another weekly baseball episode and I am so excited to get into it because we're more than halfway done with the baseball season. We are about a month away until the postseason and things are getting interesting. This is a time where if you're not like a diehard baseball fan and you're not watching all 162 of whichever team this is where you start to come in because the posting is the blah sorry the postseason is about to start um teams are just like your fan base of whatever team is currently in the wild card or even in postseason contention is like starting to get a little bit of that anxiety in a good way um the emotions are certainly coming intact now and this is obviously like the best time of the year if you're a baseball fan fall is unbelievable if you're a sports fan just in general too because the nfl is about to start so this is a good time to watch baseball and such a good time to talk about it too we're going to talk about a lot of things on this week's episode we're going to talk about how the mariners are currently in first place otani's injury uh the yankees disappointment season MVP favorites, specifically in the NL. Maybe we'll do AL next week, but I just want to talk about National League MVP favorites this week. Um, And then the Padres downfall. So we do have a couple of teams on the negative end of the spectrum, but then some other exciting things like the MVP, uh, the Mariners who are just doing incredible right now. Um, So yeah, a kind of variety of things. Then we're going to end off with our weekly standing overview and I'm going to say my takes on that. But anyways, without further ado, let's get started and let's talk about the Seattle Mariners who are currently leading the AL West. They are 75 and 57. I mean, this is a Mariners team that we knew was going to like have this record. I think if you would have told me that the Mariners were going to be leading the AL West by what? August 30th, I honestly probably wouldn't have believed you. Maybe a little bit. I could say second place, but because you have Houston reigning world champions in that division, it was going to be hard to beat. But they currently lead the league, lead the league, I'm sorry, lead the AL West. They're one game ahead of the Rangers and Astros. And this is a tight division. We know that the Rangers put up an amazing season, an amazing first half. Um, nobody saw coming. Yes, they signed, well, they've had Corey Seager, uh, Josh Young was having a really good start, um, Marcus Simeon. So obviously they have the players, but that really wasn't working out last season. This year they turned it around and had one of the best seasons. I'm not going to count the Rays in this, but probably second to them, all-time best starts really good ball club. Fortunately, they kind of hopped off that skid. We'll talk about that later, but that made room for the Mariners to come up and take that division. The Mariners have had an amazing August with a 20 and 5 record, okay? And this is just all fueled by this team's perception and just the talent that this team has. The Mariners' bats are going crazy. Let's talk about the biggest contributor right now for Seattle. Julio Rodriguez, post-All-Star break, has been crazy for all of these players. It's just like they flipped the switch and now they've kind of done what we've known they could do. 
it's kind of a mouthful of a sentence, but um, I think this Mariners team has a really good mix of the young and the more vets. Um, so it's really cool to see them all kind of coming together, especially this second half before the time is too late. We've seen it before. Once comes, like, I want to say probably mid-August and you haven't flipped the switch or maybe even before that early August and your guys who you know can hit for power aren't starting to get going you're in a bad place it's too late it's too late but the Mariners flipped that switch right after the all-star break and have just been doing really good Julio Rodriguez one of the names that I mentioned before I'm going to talk about him a little bit has a 365 batting average 422 on base percentage, 635 slugging, 1.057 OPS, and those are the stats for just after the All Star break. So that just proves to show that um, that week long, or not even week, but that what like three four day break can do a lot for a player. Um, we know he that he went off at the home run derby, and he kind of really just translated all of that power into the second half of the season. Another guy who's just doing amazing right now, J.P. Crawford, 925 OPS. Cal Raley, 929 OPS, 607 slugging. And it's not even just those guys. We've seen a couple new guys who we haven't really heard about surrounding this Mariners team. Josh Rojas. Josh Rojas went from having six at-bats and no hits in the month of July. And in August, he has had an 801 OPS. Crazy. Then another guy, Dylan Moore, 1.077 OPS in July, 966 OPS in August, so still kind of maintaining that balance. Um, Obviously, these guys can't keep those numbers high this whole entire season. It's extremely hard to do, Um, especially guys such as Dylan Moore, who hasn't had as much experience. So to still see him kind of on that train has been really working out for the Mariners. And if there's any guy who can keep those stats, keep those numbers for as long as possible, it's Julio Rodriguez. And I think that's exactly what he's going to do. And that's how he's going to help this team make it far in the postseason. But besides that, let's talk about the pitching, who has probably been the most consistent thing for this Mariners team all season. The Mariners have the highest pitching F4 this this year in the American League at 19.1. They lead Major League Baseball in fielding independent pitching as well as in strike percentage, first picks first pitch strike percentage, most pitches ahead of count, and pitches in the strike zone. So it's safe to say that they throw strikes. That's what this rotation does. And that's pretty um, surprising when you look at it, because if you look at all the starters on the Mariners rotation, it's righty after righty after righty. They lack the lefties. But something really cool about them is that each righty has their own like individual kink that just makes them different than others. And that's how they get to be this really good ball club with an amazing pitching staff. Luis Castillo has an amazingly low release point. He starts off low, his pitches end up high in the strike zone. Tell me how he does it, because I have no clue. Logan Gilbert, longest arm extension of any pitcher in baseball. George Kirby, his command, chef's kiss. And he's young, too. Bryce Miller has the highest RPM on a four-seamer currently in baseball. So each of these guys, although they are righties, have something that a lot of pitchers cannot offer. Above average guys. That's what they are. And that really helps 
in this case, now that they got the bats going on the offensive side and has really helped them pull ahead. And they took advantage of it because the Rangers are currently on a tough stretch. Talked about it before, they started off really, really well this season, but after the All-Star break, things kind of hit a decline. They've lost nine of their last 11 games, okay? So they're currently second in the AL West. Not a big deal, but when you have a really big lead or when you're doing really, really well and you start to shuffle down, it's a little bit concerning because it is harder to stay on those really good um, runs and just, you know, start winning a bunch of games in a row than it is to start losing games. You can lose games easier. That's how baseball and any sport works. So for them, uh, it's a little bit concerning. They have 31 home games left. 16 of those are going to be on the road. Kind of good news for them. They're 32 and 33 on the road. That's their road record. That's not too bad. So is it attainable for them to kind of get going, get into back into a rhythm? Yeah, for sure. They have 20 games against teams above 500, so that maybe is a little bit of um, an obstacle. And their record against the Mariners this season has been 5-1, and one, and they do play seven games against the Mariners for the rest of the season. Three of those will be in Texas, four in Seattle. So, It is kind of hard to believe that they could be back in first place by the end of the season. I'm not completely cutting them out because of how tight this race is. And honestly, the standings change every day. So um, if you tell me that the Rangers are going to be in first place come, you know, the last game of the season, I wouldn't be too surprised. But right now it seems hard to believe because of the the tough stretch that they're on. Another team the third team that's in that tight race, the Houston Astros reigning World Series champions, are kind of in a weird spot. They have 29 games remaining on the season, 15 at home, 14 on the road. Amazing, positive, and super helpful thing for them. They do significantly better on the road. They're 40 and 27. I don't know what it is about Minute Maid, but apparently they don't play that well there, okay? They are a good ball club, but to have a 40-27 and 27 record on the road? Okay, that's pretty good. Kind of a flex. Um, another kind of obstacle for them, they're bad against Seattle. They're 2-8 and eight this season. Good news, they only play three games against them, but again, they're 2-8. and eight. 18 games on... They play 18 games with teams under 500, so another thing that could help them. So if you're going to tell me this team is going to end up in second place, I can for sure believe you. Second place team, that's kind of what it looks like to me. Uh, They do have an easier schedule than the Rangers do, as we have just a few games left. So um, could Houston pull out and pull in front of Texas? Yeah, for sure. Um, And I think maybe that's what will end up happening. And that leads me to the Mariners are on paper favorites for the division win. They have an 86.4% chance to make the postseason, according to fan graphs, and a 40.2% chance to win the AL West. Now, again, because this is a tight race, because things change every single day, that number maybe isn't as high as a lot of Mariners fans wanted or a lot of people suspected. I know that, you know, in my head, in my brain, I think the Mariners have a larger chance of winning this division. But when you put it all together, uh, again, how many of those Mariners batters can stay hot and stay consistent? Out of all of them, maybe just J-Rod. But is that 
maybe he's the one person that you need. And then keeping this pitching rotation healthy and sturdy and have them keep doing their thing. Um, so honestly, stats aside, I really could see this Mariners team pulling out and pulling up in front. Those games against the Rangers are going to be crucial. You got to win those if you're the Mariners. With a top five pitching staff, they could easily, easily run away with a division despite the hitters maybe not staying afloat. So that's what I got to say with the Mariners. I hope that they pull out this uh, season and end up winning the AL West, but it is going to be a tight race there with those three teams in the division. Um, and yeah, I mean, we could possibly see all three of the AL or all three teams in the postseason be from the AL West. Crazy. Moving along to another team in the AL West who we unfortunately will not be talking about postseason stuff with. Um, the Angels, who have obviously, I think you might have heard of him, Shohei Otani. Uh, for, unfortunately for him, he suffered an injury and currently has a torn UCL and will not pitch for the remainder of the season. Uh, he does plan to have t- Tommy John surgery on his right elbow. But good news, he will still DH. So the Angels did lose one of their best guys, if not their best guy in the rotation, but we'll still have him in the lineup. So honestly, at this point, it's just another like stab to the heart for the Angels. Uh, If you have not been keeping up with the Angels thus far, uh, it's been a little bit of a rocky season. Um, the Angels were doing really good. I mean, maybe not really good. That's a little bit exaggerative, but they did have a pretty good run this season. The first half wasn't too bad compared to previous seasons. Um, and then they decided to kind of mm, not, not splurge, but I'm going to talk it in terms of Angels, like their organization. For them, they did splurge because when was the last time they bought at the deadline? I don't know, a while ago. So uh, for them, they did buy at the deadline and maybe some of that came because they wanted to keep Shohei and he was not going to be on the market. Um, So they did get a few guys and then that ultimately backfired as they currently stand with a 63 and 69 record. And that is tough. Tough when you added guys to your payroll in July and now you sit with an an under 500 record. They've had an 18 and 23 record since the All-Star break. So that obviously hurts from the Angels organization. And if you're an Angels fan, you probably feel that too, just because they did buy at the deadline. They wanted to make a postseason run. They got Randall Grichuk. They got CJ Crone, Lucas Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez. Um, and now those guys are now playing for different ball clubs. So that plan failed. Um, the only good news for them is that they didn't lose Otani this season. And that, I mean, when you kind of look at that, what is it, what do you mean? Like, what is that for? Because there was, that's really their only piece of leverage right now because they didn't lose Shohei Otani in July. So instead they're going to lose him, what, in December, January in the off season. So I, I don't even know. Unfortunate for the Angels, I feel ya. And yeah, I mean, maybe when your team hasn't been playing well in recent years and you kind of hit that good kind of stride, you get a little bit excited and you want to go and you want to buy guys. And yes, they didn't splurge because there wasn't really many players to splurge on. So 
Uh, yeah, I, I feel you. I mean, if I'm the right Angels GM, like, I get it. I get it. Would I do the same thing? I don't know. But I don't blame him for going out and wanting to experience that and wanting to just to just poke the bear a little bit and see what you can get out. Um, do I think four guys was necessary? No, definitely not. Um, but could you have predicted that Shohei Otani was going to get hurt, that Mike Trout was going to be on and off the IL, that, you know, this whole season was going to do a 360 on you? No. So, I mean, again, you can't really put to blame anyone. Uh, it's just unfortunate news, and that's what that is. But for Otani, I mean... Does the big question here is does his injury change the market in the offseason and what will that mean to teams? Uh, obviously, this is not a sprained ankle, it's kind of serious. He's gotten Tommy John before, so yeah, I mean, it definitely could affect the market, right? I mean, you it would have to just because he's still DHing doesn't mean he's a hundred percent, so I think now have has the price lowered a little bit yeah do I think it's a huge difference no because uh the odds that Shohei comes back and plays you know like how we've seen him play his whole career the odds are pretty likely um is it going to take a while for him to get back into the rhythm is it going to hurt for teams to purchase an unhealthy player yeah for sure but do I think that a lot of teams have faith that it will work out and that, you know, knock on wood that everything goes well and he's, you know, it was like he never got hurt. Yeah, probably. So honestly, I think the market does change because you do have an injured player, but still a lot of teams are going to be in on him and he still is an amazing player. So regardless, somebody's going to get him. He's going to sign a check for a lot of money. Um, but it does, you know, tweak a little few things in the market. Not by a lot, though. Uh, so, yeah. So, that's really what I have on that Otani in injury. I really did want to touch... I really do want to touch on the Angels a little bit more just because I was talking about them getting guys at the deadline. Now it's not working out. To the point where they currently placed Lucas Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez, Matt Moore, and Hunter Renfro on waivers to take them off their payroll because they ain't... I mean, come on. The Angels aren't going to go anywhere. So this is what happens. They could be claimed for free by teams up until Thursday. The team with the worst record who puts in a claim will receive him whichever player they choose, and they will all be eligible for the postseason. That's crazy. When was the last time that this happened? That you, the players that you go get at the deadline will now be placed on waivers come, what, August, early September. Weird. I mean, we've seen it a lot, you know, this season, especially because we've had some underperforming teams who we really didn't expect to see like this um, around this time. So, yeah, that's really all I got for the Angels, talking about another team who's having a sad season, let's move on to the Yankees. Uh, the New York Yankees sit at 63 and 68. So, yeah, they're not playing good baseball. They are in last place in the AL East, 19 games out of first place, 11 games out of a wild card spot. So, yeah, you're not going to see them in October this year. Um, and that's pretty big since they haven't missed a playoff since 2016. So, it's definitely been a couple of years. Um, just not good overall baseball from the Yankees. And unfortunate 
it is because obviously you have it's the Yankees like the Yankees have been this phenomena of a team in Major League Baseball since forever and to miss the playoffs in like what seven years it's a pretty big moment uh after the All-Star break, they've had a 15-36 and record. They haven't won a series since July 23rd. I think it was a series against the Royals. So that's a big thing. It hasn't helped that Judge has been on and off the IL all season. Um, their pitchers haven't been performing. Injury parades going on every weekend almost. So they've had a lot of things, a lot of obstacles, and they just haven't been the team that we've seen in years past, unfortunately, and that has led them to place Harrison Bader and Josh Donaldson on waivers, which is pretty weird because Josh Donaldson kind of finally got going a little bit, so um, maybe he thought he was safe, but apparently not. No one's safe these days, so Josh Donaldson and Harrison Bader placed on waivers. Uh, another pot, uh, like an only positive thing for the Yanks that they're calling up a little, some prospects, some guys are getting some playing time. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the most you can do when you're in this situation, like make the most out of it. And it's been pretty interesting to say the least. A few other guys have been performing pretty good. So, I mean, really this season is kind of put to sleep for the, um, Yankees and yeah, so Bader, Donson, gone and will sign with new teams, or I should say they will be placed on new teams. Um, And yeah, that's really what I got for the Yankees, kind of a short little segment, but did want to touch on that just because, again, when you have a team that you've seen play in October for seven years straight, and all of a sudden, I mean, the biggest hitter in baseball, Aaron Judge, won't be participating in that. It's kind of weird, so wanted to touch on that for sure. But let's move on to a, I guess you could call it more uplifting subject. Let's talk about NLMBP favorites. All right, so we got a couple of guys. Ironic thing about all of these guys is that they have all played with either the Braves or the Dodgers. I got four guys on this list. They're all in the Braves or Dodgers, the two best teams in the National League currently. So that's what we got here. Let's start off with the favorite who's been pretty much the favorite for a long time. Ronald Acuna Jr., 334 batting average, 983 OPS, 61 stolen bases, which is the most in the league, 416 on base percentage, highest in MLB, 177 hits, tied for the most in Major League Baseball. So yeah, I mean, on paper, this guy checks every single box. Like, why wouldn't he be a favorite? And he's also a fun guy. I mean, have you seen Ronald Acuna Jr. play? He is literally like the definition of let the kids play. So um, I think he's been a favorite for a long time. And especially coming back after the injury and being on a team that performs exceptionally well, um, he has definitely been one of those longtime favorites. Uh, but let's transition to another player who has also been a favorite kind of as of lately a little bit uh who's always just been a really good player Mookie Betts uh outfielder for the Dodgers 410 on base percentage 317 average 614 slugging which is highest in the National League 1.071 OPS highest in the National League so do the accolades kind of are not as much are the accolades not as vibrant as those of Ronald Acuna yeah but for the most part 
I mean, he's not a bad ball player. He's probably one of tied for the best player on the Dodgers currently, and he's just putting up really good numbers, and Mookie Betts has been one of those consistent baseball players for a long time. So, honestly, heavy favorite, could see him winning. Another guy, we're going back to the Braves. We're going to the newbie who hasn't really been in this situation before, Matt Olsen. Yeah, Matt Olsen, first baseman for the Braves. You've probably heard of him because he played on the A's. You probably haven't heard of him. That was like a joke because nobody talks about these. Anyways, um, Matt Olson, 43 home runs, the most in the National League. Otani took that reign for Major League Baseball like the other day. So he's second right now. Uh, 271 batting average, 590 slugging, 969 OPS, 112 RBIs, which is the most in Major League baseball. So yeah, I mean, a guy who leads the National League in home runs, who is second in Major League Baseball in home runs, has to be on that list of MVP favorites. Like, come on now. And he plays almost every single game too. So that's a big thing with these guys is consistency over the amount of number of games you play, right? Because if you have like a guy who goes in, who's not going to play 162, he's going to play... I mean, even like 150, that's a big difference. So Matt Olson could really spice things up in the MVP race this year. And the last guy I want to talk about, Freddie Freeman, another Dodger, previous Brave, funny enough, 338 batting average, 412 on base percentage, 177 hits, 584 slugging, 960 OPS. So yes, really good numbers all around. Freddie Freeman has been, again, like Mookie Betts, a consistent baseball player for a long time. Does LA suit him well? Yeah, heck yeah. But I think if he would have gone to Washington, he would have performed the same maybe because Freddie Freeman is just an all-around good baseball player, um, defender as well. So another guy, heavy favorite in that NL MVP race. And I think whichever guy wins it's going to be worth it. I think they're definitely going to deserve it. So I just want to touch on that a little bit and talk about those favorites in the National League MVP race. If you're asking me who I think I want, or if you're asking me who I want to win, it is Matt Olson, just because he's an underdog in that situation. Like he's never won a World Series. All of these guys have. So give it to him. Come on. Um, but let's move on to our last segment, the Padres downfall. Yes, the team that has Juan Soto, Manny Machado, Zender Bogarts, Fernando Tatis Jr. is currently on a season slump. They have a 62-72 and 72 record on the season. Another team that's playing below 500 baseball. They started this season with an 85% chance to make the playoffs. Now they're sitting at a 1% chance. That's a huge deficit. You know what else is a huge deficit? Them being 6-22 and in one-run games. They cannot win for anything. Because on top of that, they're 0-11 in extra inning games. This is not a good thing for the Padres. Does it help that Darvish has been hurt and hasn't really been good? Yes. I mean, no, it does not help. It does not help. And the bullpen inconsistency has not helped either. So really, this whole thing for the Padres has not looked good. 
Juan Soto has not been performing well. He has a 262 average. And maybe you're like, hey, that's pretty good. That's average. I mean, yeah, but for Juan Soto, a guy who demolishes baseball and you're, so you're telling me he has 262 average and a slugging that's not very high, let me tell you that. Yeah, not good enough. Xander Bogart's 259 average, Manny Machado 249 average. So we just keep getting lower at that rate. And yeah, it does suck when you have one of the highest payrolls in baseball and one of the teams with the the most power hitters and you're not producing and you're currently I want to say fourth in the NL West so it sucks um that you're not going to see those star players play in the postseason again but um hey this is the season for underdogs I mean let's see the Cubs pull out let's see uh, I'm trying to think of another team the Diamondbacks pull out Giants who haven't been, been there kind of inconsistent rate lately so yeah I mean that's really what I got for this week's episode again unfortunate with the Padres with the Yankees teams that we usually see compete are not doing so this year but it is exciting if you like seeing a little bit more of those underdog teams who don't always who are always in the playoffs you know I'm talking like hmm, Cincinnati Miami maybe could even pull out something so things like that. It's going to be exciting to see. Let's end this episode off with my standings overview and let's see what we got here. All right, the AL least. We got the leaders. The Baltimore Orioles are killing it, killing it. 83 and 49 this season, two and a half games up above. The Tampa Bay Rays, who started with the best record in baseball, are currently in second place. Then we got the Toronto Blue Jays, who unfortunately will not make the playoffs either this season. And the Boston Red Sox, who just have a brutal second half as well. And it's not helping them because they're 14 and a half games out of first place. And then we ended off with the New York Yankees. So that's how your AL East is looking for you. Moving on to another team in the AL, the AL Central. Minnesota taking that lead 69 and 64. This is not a very competitive AL Central compared to other divisions. Cleveland, six games behind them, 63 and 70, who recently got some new players. Go check that out. Detroit Tigers, 59 and 73, are in third place. And the White Sox, 52 and 81. And your last place, Kansas City Royals at 41 and 93. So, I mean, the AL Central stays consistent in the loss column. (laughs) But that's about it. Uh, Not a really good competitive division there. uh, Compared to the next one that we're going to talk about, the AL West, Seattle, 75 and 57 in first place currently tied with the first place Texas Rangers 75 and 57 and the third place not third place second place Houston Astros 76 and 58 fourth third place LA Angels 63 and 70 and your last place Oakland Athletics who have been recently eliminated from playoff contention at 39 and 94 so how your AL West is looking. I guarantee you it's going to change tomorrow. All right, the NL East. So let's move on to the National League. Atlanta leads the league, and I think they lead the National League as well. Um, 86 and 45, first place. They have a 12 and a half game lead above the second place Philadelphia Phillies. 
Yeah, there's a little bit of a cushion there. And that's maybe why Matt Olson will not be able to rack up the home runs because if I'm Brian Snicker, I'm not playing my star players every day, especially as we get closer to October. So that's that. Uh, the third place, Miami Marlins, 66 and 66. They are 20 and a half games behind first place, but they're only three games out of the wild card, so could make a sprint. Washington Nationals are in fourth place at 62 and 71, and the Mets are in the last place, 60 and 73. Yeah, Mets, another team not doing so well. It's really funny because we got the Mets and the Padres who, I want to say those two teams have the highest payroll in baseball, are currently not going to be in the playoffs. Ouch. All right, moving on to the NL Central. Milwaukee Brewers lead that division 74 and 58, but right up behind them, four games back, 70 and 62, the Chicago Cubs. Third place, 68 and 66, we have the Cincinnati Reds, who are seven games behind first. Fourth place, Pittsburgh Pirates at 60 and 73, and the last place, St. Louis Cardinals who were predicted to win this division to go to the postseason are currently sitting at 57 and 76 will not probably make the playoffs this year so another surprising thing we got going on and let's end it off with our nl west we got the first place dodgers 82 and 49 they just continue doing their thing that they've done for like the past what five six years now uh second place San Francisco Giants at 69 and 63, who will not take the division because they are 13 and a half games above, or sorry, under the first place Dodgers. The Arizona Diamondbacks are in third place at 69 and 64, only half a game behind second place. And the San Diego Padres sitting at fourth place at 62 and 71. And then your last place Rockies at 49 and 83. So those are what your standings look like today. If we want to talk and touch a little bit about the wild card, AL division leaders are obviously going to be Baltimore, Seattle, Texas, and Minnesota, barely. I mean, really, it's easy to win that division in the AL Central. But then you got your wild card teams as of now, the Rays. I, I and you have to put Seattle, Texas, and Houston in there, which is really annoying because they're pretty much all tied. So I don't know how that's going to play out. We're going to have to play a bunch more games in the postseason this year, I feel like, if we keep having all these ties, then we have to. Which, let me know your thoughts on that because it's kind of it's kind of sucks because then you kind of tire your players out because you're playing extra games and you would have to, especially now with this expanded playoff thing weird anyway let's move on to the national league playoff wild card standings division leaders obviously atlanta the dodgers and milwaukee um the nl wild card teams are currently the phillies the cubs and the giants arizona's only half a game out so we could see them popping in from time to time if they continue to do well so that's really what your wild card standings are looking like right now they're always going to be changing they're going to be different all the time and we may not even see like be seeing some of these teams who are in there right now be in there like by the weekend so it's going to be interesting but yeah uh let's end this episode off with our hit or miss teams. 
Let's start off, I like to end on a positive note, so let's start off with our missed teams. For this week's episode, my missed team is going to have to be the San Diego Padres. Now, hear me out. There's a bunch of reasons why it's the Padres. Yes, because they had an 85% chance to make a playoffs and now they're not even going to go and they're in fourth place. But on top of that, I just think that it's just it's just a real disappointment when you look at it from that way. Like this is baseball's baseball's biggest hitters are on that team. And to have them not compete, I think I could really put the Yankees in this position too. I just don't think I'm looking at it in a perspective of like what's good for baseball. It's not good for baseball the Yankees aren't in the playoffs. It's not good for baseball because the Padres are in the playoffs. Like uh, you can argue with me all day that, uh, well, yeah, they don't deserve to be there because, you know, they didn't play good. Yeah, for sure. True. They didn't play good and that's why they're not there. But I also think that Rob Manfred kind of has to be kicking himself a little bit because these teams are not in in the postseason. Because what draws attention? What what got everybody excited for baseball. Aaron Drudge breaking the single season record. That's what got people ecstatic for baseball. And to now have that this season and on top of that, not have those players play in the postseason is a big loss for Major League Baseball in whole. And I'm not shaming them in whatever way because I'm, you know, the first one to be there and to support baseball in every single way. But it does suck that these guys are not going to be playing in the postseason because that's what brings people to watch the postseason and it's going to be hard to promote smaller teams if the Reds make the postseason it's going to be hard so that's why they would have to be my missed team um maybe that's not even a missed team because it really has nothing to do against you know I guess the players themselves like yeah are they underperforming 100% but at the same time you when you look at it from a larger aspect you can see how it's affecting not only the fans of the Padres or the organization, but baseball at whole. So that's my missed team. On the other hand, my hit team is obviously going to have to be the Seattle Mariners because they've been underrated all season and they finally have a breakout spot and could really carry that division. And I'm excited to see if they will, because they could. They have arguably, arguably the best team right now on paper. I mean, it helps with the pitching. You got the hitters. Hopefully they could stay hot and we'll see what happens. But that has to be my hit team for this week. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. Another episode will be coming later on the Cubs and I'm excited to talk about that. Uh, I hope you guys all have a great day. Watch some baseball Keep yourself informed with everything that's going on because, like I said, times are getting excited. This is Christmas in Major League Baseball. So thank you guys again so much for listening, and you will hear from me later this week. Bye.